Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. TC Live with you on a Tuesday evening in Monte Carlo. First round is wrapped up. A couple of second rounders in the books as well, including the world number one who found himself on a match court for the first time since February. Coming up on the show today, Novak's return not perhaps as smooth as expected as he got pushed in a big way by the pesky Russian qualifier. Speaking of Russia, is this the week Andre Rublev finally breaks through at a Masters 1000? 25-year-old's been to a couple of finals, but yet to lift a trophy at this level. And is there a new big three on the horizon in men's tennis? And if so, who's in it? And who is Holger Runa conspicuously leaving out of it? All that and more on our TC Live broadcast on a Tuesday. Welcome to the show. So glad you're with us as we roll through our third Masters 1000 of the year with Mark Petchy and Chris Eubanks. I'm Brett Haber. Stefano Tsitsipas began his title defense today, but it only lasted five games. He got a retirement after five uh, from Sonego. Is that a good thing, actually, because Tsitsipas has been nursing his own injury? Yeah, I think it, certain times it can be good. It can not. I think especially dealing with an injury, he's going to take that win. Second round, he's all on into the third round, so he can take a little bit of confidence from that. Saving the arm, that's something he spoke at great length about during Indian Wells in Miami. The shoulder injury has been giving him a little bit of problems, so I'm sure getting out there on the court, five games is enough to kind of feel match conditions, get the nerves out. I'm sure he'll be pleased. Obviously, it's unfortunate that Bonzi had to retire, but he'll be pleased to be on into the third round, and he can save the body and get ready to keep going, even for doubles. Yeah, it was a wrist for, for Bonzi, and so uh, Tsitsipas moves on without too much sweat. Yeah, he does move on without too much sweat. I was actually chatting to his agent in Miami. It was looking like everything was coming together physically for Steph. And obviously, this is a surface that historically he's absolutely loved to play on. And it gives him a little bit more time. Um, he doesn't have to feel quite as rushed on the ball as well. So although obviously he probably would have liked to have got a match under his belt and he was looking very confident out there, I don't think it's the end of the world that it was as abbreviated as it ended up being for him. All right, we'll show you the highlight, brief as it was a little bit later in the show. But let's start with the world number one back after his six week sabbatical. Djokovic taking on the lefty Russian qualifier, Ivan Gakov, who has impressed some people this week, Chris. Man, he was impressive today. He gave Novak all he could handle, especially in the first set. Started off the match trying to dictate through the Djokovic backhand, quickly realized that was not going to be a recipe for success. Started to switch it up, get Novak moving. Novak was a bit off balance at times in this match. You see Gakov producing some quality tennis, forcing Novak to really raise his level. The only thing is, Novak is very, very good at raising his level when he needs to, especially against a competitor who hasn't had the experience of playing on a big court against a high-level opponent. You got to see in the second set, Novak really started to run away with it. Gakov just unable to maintain such a high level. But honestly, I think this week has been a dream week for him. He's definitely earned some fans. He definitely has some memories that he will never forget for the rest of his life. And uh, they definitely had a nice warm embrace at the net. He said, I hope I get to play more matches against you. And based on his form this week, that will probably happen. Three breaks for Novak. He talked about getting back after it. It was probably a 
if you can call it this way, uh, an ugly tennis win for me today. Uh, I haven't played really my best, particularly in the first set. And I, I kind of expected that that's going to happen in a way with uh, swirly conditions, a lot of wind today, changing directions, and no two bounces are the same. You know, it's always uh, quite unpredictable what, what, what's going to happen. But, uh, you know, all in all, I just am um, pleased with the, the way I held my nerves, I think, in important moments and, you know, managed to, to clinch this, the, the, the two-set win. All right, curious for everyone's eyeball test on Djokovic today, Petch. The fact that this match was so competitive, was that, was that rust on Novak's part or was that Gakov being better than maybe we expected? I think Gakov was a little bit better than we expected, to be honest, and I think that that was a, a big part of it. I, I think also that when we look at Novak, we always just remember sort of the dream moments, don't we? The, the comeback against Roger in 2019, the win in Australia, and always when he's playing at his peak, and you sometimes forget the matches that he's had to scrap through to get to that stage where you've seen his absolute best tennis. And obviously, having not played since February as well, sort of coming through into this kind of match would have been a little tricky for him. He would have expected a lot of himself. I think he's in good nick. I think he's looking a little bit bigger as well. I don't know if Chris Eubanks thinks that as well. It looks a little the, the bit The chest was burly, wasn't it? Yeah, I think Prakash highlighted that. He says, you know, you're looking a little bit bigger in the gym. Novak wanted to shoot it back to Prakash, said, you know, they're going to have hopefully have a little bit of weight room time together this week <laughs> in Monte Carlo. But I think you hit the nail on the head. He hasn't played that many matches. Novak is a player who needs matches. He's always needed matches in order to find his best form. I think today, not having played, not played since February, took him a minute to find his legs, his clay court legs, his clay court uh, timing. But once he did, he was able to kind of run away with things. And you're going to spot in the gym for Novak and Prakash? Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> I might try to join him if I'm allowed. So I have to toothpick. talk to Prakash and see if we can switch toothpick to more of a two-by-four. How yeah, about that? Yeah, a, a, a full uh, tree trunk. Right. <laughs> Maybe a little ambitious. Let's go to some other highlights. The Battle of the Sashas took place on Court Renier, Zverev against Bublikov. Yeah, and it looked as though early on, Sasha had been watching some of my old videos. Oh, he's missed that by some margin, hasn't he? And there was a, a nice little sneak attack. Look, the, uh, the only thing you know about Bublik when he's out there, he is going to be unpredictable. And it was a beautiful kind of close there. It came out of nowhere, and you could see Zverev was expecting to build a rally. So we got him on a couple of things, but in the second set, Zverev started to sort of regroup do a nice job of, of playing some good tennis, but Bublik again was the architect of his own demise. Too many drop shots, too many missed shots, and Zverev is going to be far too good in those kind of situations. And yet, there was light. There was light for Bublik. Look at this reaction from him. You can see that from Bublik. He was energized at that particular juncture. And you wondered whether he might just pull off a third win against Zverev. Of course, remember, he'd never lost to him, even though this was their first meeting on play. But some lovely touch from Zverev, the German, starting to try and find some form. Of course, his first match back on clay since the French Open, since the ankle problem. Had plenty of respect to the net between these two players. They know each other well. It's a good and an important win, I think, for Zverev at this stage. Yeah, the other two meetings were on indoor hardcourt, so a different story on clay. Zverev, some very complimentary words about Bublik. First match for you here. Tell us how it felt. Well, awful at times, to be honest, but uh, he made me feel awful. You know, he, I think tactically he played unbelievably well. He didn't let me play my game at all. Uh, didn't let me have the rhythm that I usually like to have. And um, credits to him because uh, he really almost won the match. I think uh, one or two points here and there, maybe the surf and volley point uh, on break point at three all saved me a little bit. And uh, yeah, I, I couldn't be happier right now.
right, we move on. First match of the day on Court de Prince. American Ben Shelton making his first trip to Europe, taking on the former world number three, Grigor Dimitrov. And, and we were sport for choice here. I have to say that Grigor in the opening set just put on a clinic. I mean, it was a, it was a harsh learning curve for Ben. Obviously, this is just his second match on the European red clay. Uh, he is going to be phenomenal. Listen to this roar. <laughs> that was one of the best games that you're going to see all this week. That was the ninth game of the second set. It was very special. He went on a tear of saving sort of 15 break points, but he was up against the magician today. The shot of the week. There will be no doubt when it comes to the end of this, Dimitrov conjured something out of absolutely nothing. And he put on a very, very professional performance to the 31-year-old in that third set, having lost the second set in such dramatic fashion. He'd be very happy with that, and he may just make another push through to the semis here where he's been twice before. All right, let's move on to Rublev, runner-up here two years ago, second-rounder against the Spaniard, Jaume Munar. Yeah, we know Andre Rublev loves these courts. He's played some of his best play court tennis at this tournament, but today, getting up a break early on Munar, not able to continue that momentum. Munar started to play some really good tennis. You see him utilizing the drop shot to bring forth Rublev. Unable to make that, and then you see the celebration from Munar, but that was about all there was to celebrate for probably the next 30 minutes. Rublev started to find his range, winners right and left, able to absolutely dominate the second set. Rublev, uh, Munar was able to get a little bit of momentum going into the third. He was able to go from being down 5-0 to getting a couple games on the board, but third set was pretty much much of the same. Rublev just too good, dictating with that fierce forehand. It's amazing how aggressive he can be on that forehand on a clay court without giving up so much space from that in the baseline. Taking balls early, taking big cuts, and you can see the emotion of how much that win means to him. Rublev able to break six times, had 36 winners to just 15 for the Spaniard, so he moves on. Here's a look at Rublev's section of the draw bottom half. Same quarter as Rude and Hatchinoff and Demonor. If it's Hatchinoff that Rublev plays next, well, gosh, they've been playing each other since they were, what, eight years old? They go all the way back. They go all the way back. And, of course, he said, as he played Medvedev earlier this year in Dubai, that it's not easy for him to play his good friends in those kind of moments there. And Hashinov has obviously been on a tear this season, more so on the hard courts, but we know he can be dangerous on the clay as well. But you've obviously got Kasper in that section as well. So it's, it's going to be awfully tough for Rublev just to get out of this particular section of the draw. But I do like his chances. I do like the way that he's playing at the moment. I'm just interested to know when we... When and Chris sort of looks at how he can win this tournament. Does he have enough variety in his game, Rublev, to beat the very best? Well, I mean, I think he has beaten the very best at this very tournament. He just hadn't been able to win it in the final. So I definitely think on any given day, the, the style of play that Andre Rublev has, super aggressive, taking time away, forcing the issue, it can be effective. It's going to come when he plays an opponent like a Hatchinoff, like a Kasper Ruud, who's going to vary heights and spins, use that heavy forehand to try to outmaneuver Rublev, because if Rublev is on balance on a clay court, on a hard court, on any court, he's going to be a very dangerous opponent. We, we know how good a junior Rublev was. He was the ITF world champion. He's winning 50 matches a year now. He's finished in the top 10 the last three years running. But I feel like we don't hear the same chatter with him about, oh, he's going to win a Grand Slam that we hear with some of the other young guns. Should there be more chatter about Rublev, or is it correct that there's not? Right, it's a great question. I, I think there probably should be a little bit more chatter because we're going to have more opportunities right now. I mean, we obviously know that the big four, you know, some have departed, some are still there, some are still sort of struggling to some degree. So there's no question that you're going to see at the back end of the majors more opportunities than we've ever seen in the last 15 to 20 years out there. So a guy like Rublev has got to think that that quarter 
final spot, which he's been stuck on a number of times already in the course of his career since 2017, the US Open, that he's going to get further than that. And if he gets further than that, then anything is possible. I do think his time will come. Is he a future Grand Slam champion, do you think, Rublev? I think he can be. I think the key part of it that Pep said is these next few years are going to be very different than the last 15 to 20 years. It's going to be a lot more parity amongst the Grand Slam champions. I do think Andre Rublev has the tools, has the game to, at some point, put together a spectacular two weeks and win a Grand Slam. He already has 12 singles titles at age 25. Only 10 active players have more singles titles than that. We've got a lot to get to on this Tuesday TC Live. More highlights from key matches in Monte Carlo, plus the beginning of the title defense for Stefano Tsitsipas. Had plenty of extra time to sign autographs afterwards. One of his two titles on the coast back in a moment on TC Live. on TC Live and a reminder that tennis.com is the best way to keep up with the entire clay court season. Check it out today for live scores and stats and results. Follow the draws. Get easy access to full match replays on tennischannel.com. Download the app or visit the website to get the full European clay experience. Time now to say happy birthday to us as Tennis Channel celebrates 20 years. I grew up with Tennis and movies, those are my two passions. And I really feel Tennis Channel has meshed the two together. It's, it's a storytelling network. It's not just a sports coverage network. And the way they're able to tell all the stories of all the different players that we have on the ATP and WTA tour, that's, that's easily my, my favorite part about the network. I literally have Tennis Channel on all the time. I, I know I'm an analyst on the network, but you'd be amazed how much I learn from my, my family here. You know, Paul Anacone, Jim Courier, Lindsey Davenport, John Wertheim, Tracy Austin. It's, it's, it's amazing how much more you learn. Everyone has such a unique perspective of the game. So even just listening to it, even if you're not watching, if you're doing other things, you just, your tennis IQ keeps going up. I think that's one of the best things about Tennis Channel. You're, uh, you're always learning. Happy 20th birthday, Tennis Channel. Most contagious smile in tennis television, Prakash, worldwide on the case. And we'll hear more birthday wishes from your favorite analysts and players throughout the week on TC Live. We've got more to get to on the show. As we reach the winter of the Big Three era, is there a new Big Three that's ready to fill that void? And who's bold enough to think that he belongs in it? TC Live, back in a moment. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Back on TC Live, Monte Carlo week is a perfect week for a multi-screen tennis channel experience on top of the linear matches you've been watching on TC. We've got additional matches all week on the Bally's Regional Sports Nets plus T2. Tomorrow, Dimitrov Lahechka, Medvedev beginning his clay campaign against the Italian Sinego, Jan Michael Gamble. And Leif Shiras will have you covered tomorrow with these matches starting at 8 Eastern. 
A year ago in Monte Carlo, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina had the biggest week of his career, had never been past the quarters of a Masters 1000, beat Djokovic, beat Taylor Fritz, beat Dimitrov to make the final, where he lost to Tsitsipas. So, Chris, a lot on the line as he played his opener today against Hatchinov. A lot on the line, and he was playing an opponent who is high on confidence. Karen Hatchinov has been playing some incredible ball, and there was nothing different about that today. Just absolutely comprehensive win against the 2022 Monte Carlo finalists, dictating using that big forehand that we got to see a lot of in Miami. We're seeing a lot more of it here on the clay. A slower surface gives him more time to find as many forehands as possible, but then you get to see the agility from the big guy running to the net, digging out that dropper with the redrop, and all in all, just too good for matching off today. A Davidovich Rikina has to get back to the drawing board. Loses 600 points from the final a year ago. Hatchinoff four break points in the match and converted them all. And so we move on to the defending champ. Sitsipas, short day with Bonzi. Yeah, short day of the office, as you say, Brett. And obviously the one thing we were looking at was to see whether Steph was going to come over that backhand consistently. That was something that obviously we saw in Miami. But actually it was on the other side of the court that we needed to worry about an injury. And Bonzi, as you can see there, with his left wrist getting taped, just really didn't get into the match. We didn't really get any gauge of where Steph is at the moment. It was all a little bit too easy, but I don't think he's going to have too many complaints right now. He wants to get some mileage on the clock, and he's going to get that this week. All right, we hope that Bonzi is okay with the wrist. Had to give up the ghost after five games as Sitsipas improves to 15-5 and five on the year. And we'll try to win back-to-back -back matches for the first time since the Australian Open. Also trying to become just the third man in the last 100 years to three-peat at Monte Carlo. Nastasi did it in the early 70s, and Rafa has essentially done it three times. He had the seven-peat from <laughs> He said that in English. A seven-peat from 2006 to 2012, and then another three-peat from 2016 to 2018. Borg, Muster, Ferrero, each one two in a row, but could not win three. As we go to the social net today, we are going to start with Holger Runa, who is not bashful about his ambitions in this sport, saying to an Italian newspaper that he plans to slash hopes to be part of the next big three in men's tennis, along with Carlos Alcaraz and Yannick Sinner. Uh, there are some folks who might wonder if he left a few key names out. I hope He did say hope, so I don't know if it's a declaration as much as an aspiration. Here's what Novak Djokovic had to say about the next big three? A very, very complete player and just amazing uh, uh, for our sport to have a champion like him, no doubt. And he's so young and uh, it's also refreshing to have another great rivalry that people get excited about, which is him and Sinner. And we have seen some thrilling, exciting matches between the two of them in Indian Wells Miami. So I'm sure that those two guys, along with uh, Rune, you know, uh, from this younger, younger generations are going to be the leaders. So maybe that's the next big, big three. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that felt like a little shade at the end with that laugh from Novak. Well, what do you think about Runa's proclamation? Is that, is that a little presumptuous? I, I don't think so. I think in order to do big things in this sport, you have to have big goals. And you look at it, his resume versus Sinner and Alcaraz. Obviously, Alcaraz has the Grand Slam. But he's 19 years old. He's quarterfinal to French Open. He's fourth round the Australian Open this year. And he third round the U.S. Open last year. There's a case to be made for why he feels as confident as he does. And honestly, I don't have a problem with it at all.
What about Medvedev and Sinner? Are they yeah. not part of the next big three or four or five, whatever? Yeah, and I think that I think that what Chris is saying is is true that he, he should believe in himself. I just think that we've lived through an era that has kind of tilted the imbalance towards us. That believing the extraordinary is just the normal, and that's what we have seen. We've seen four guys out there that have dominated a sport that historically has never been dominated to the degree that this has been uh, the case for the last 20 years. And I just think that everyone's expecting there's going to be another big three, another big four that are going to go on and do uh, the things that obviously Novak and Rafa and Roger uh, and Andy have done. And I think from that point of view, from my own personal opinion, we won't see another big three. I don't think another big three is coming. All right. It's good to have goals, I guess, is the bottom line. And Runa is maybe not bashful about expressing his. You just achieved a big goal in the last week or two. You're now a top 90 player. You always have to reset your goals when you achieve them. So what are your new ones? For this I year? want to be top 50. You know, I, I think that's the next benchmark. Players want to get to top 100, then they want to get to top 50, then go on up to top 20. I think top 50 is the next progression for me. I want to set big goals, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm not as uh, – I'm a little bit more bashful with mine <laughs> as uh, Hogaruna is just out saying, which he has a case to be. So I, I kudos to him, support him. He needs – if he feels like he needs that level of confidence, go right ahead. I'm a little different. I operate a little differently. So a little. we go from, you know, top 100 to top 50. We take baby steps where I'm from. But, uh, but I can operate differently, right? Yep, go ahead. Chris Dewbanks is definitely going to be top 50, and he's not going to be too far away from being top 30 at some stage in his career. That's what we've seen, obviously, in the last sort of 12 months. We've seen the progression from Chris. It's been fantastic to watch. We see him take a huge stride, obviously, in Miami when the pressure was on, when he needed to make that kind of move ahead of Roland Garros. And when you make those kind of moves when the pressure's on, that tells you a lot about what's coming up. Stare into your close-up and, and do one of those really cool glasses <laughs> off. <laughs> there we go. Chris Eubanks, ladies and gentlemen. He can't mean mug anymore like we have on his uh, promo photo. We've got more to come on TC Live. Don't forget, coverage starts on Tennis Channel 5 a.m. Eastern tomorrow from Monte Carlo. Valleys and T2 picks up a second wave of action at 8 a.m. We're back with TC Live at 1 and on-court coverage all day and night. Back to wrap things up. Back on TC Live, hot shot of the day provided by Italy's Lorenzo Sonego taking on the Frenchman Umber. It was an unbelievable match, incredible atmosphere. He's hit that one with a snorkel in his mouth from the Mediterranean Sea, and he's still come up for air with a fist in his ass. I mean, it was sensational out there on court two. Let's have another look at it. I mean, shots like that just don't come any better. Had a chance to stop by the casino, get back into the court in time. We show you the featured matches for tomorrow, starting 5 a.m. Eastern with Casper Root coming off the title in Portugal. Yannick Sinner already with 21 wins this year. Medvedev back on court, first time since the Miami title. He's 29-3. and three. Our team on the ground, Danny Kleppinger and Prakash Amitraj, have a preview. All right, Brett, back at our FanDuel desk. B. Stan Vavrinka holds the edge in the head-to-head -head over Taylor Fritz, but it's been a while since they played each other, so how's this going to go? Yeah, it's been since 2018. Taylor's a completely different player since then, and, and very nice for Stan to be able to get that first win over here, feeling good on the Monte Carlo clay, but I, I just think Taylor's been playing really consistent, top-level tennis, and he's one of the Americans whose game really translates well to the clay. Made the quarterfinals last year, so hoping for a good match, but I, I think Taylor's going to be able to pull through. It's going to be an exciting Wednesday of action here in Monaco. We agree. Can't wait to join you for it. Uh, before we get into our match previews for tomorrow, Chanda Rubin is not here this week, and so Petch has volunteered to step in for the Chanda pick of the day.
What do you got? I got. Uh, I'm going. I'm going big here. I, I kind of feel like in my mind, I'm still seeing Dominic Team play as he was. You know, French Open finalist, U.S. Open champion, and everything else. And I look at him yesterday, and I, and I feel as though he's got a great chance against Rinna. I know Fangio are saying that that, that I'm wrong but I, I believe I'm going to be right. What do you think? Is, is team starting to round into form? He made a quarter last week. He started to look pretty good yesterday. I do. I, I agree with Pet. And I think the one thing that can be accounted for is this is going to be team's first match where he is not the favorite, but he's almost expected to just come out, probably not expected to do well amongst a lot of picks. So I think being back on the clay court, being a match, no pressure, all of the pressure is going to be on Runa. I think Dominic can come out and play extremely well. We've seen since, you know, the split with Nicholas Massou, who they had a long-term partnership, came out and played some really, really good tennis in his first round here in Monte Carlo. So it's going to be fun. A lot of pressure when you sub on Chandis picks. There's yeah. 10 Chanda bucks on the line, after all. <laughs> I don't really know what that represents from a currency standpoint, but they're on the line. But you might be feel nervous. It's, it's, there's a lot to live up to with Chandis picks. Let's talk about a couple of key matches tomorrow. Daniil Medvedev back for the first time since winning the Miami title. Excuse me, hardcore specialist <laughs> Daniil Medvedev. But he, he did make the quarterfinals at Roland Garros. Does he undersell himself on the clay? Yes, he does. There's no question that Daniil does do that. I think the one thing that I will say at this particular juncture, of course, is that he's had very little time to prepare for, this, for the clay courts here. And he is somebody that self-confesses that he needs time on clay to get comfortable to it with moving. But I actually think he might like these conditions. They're playing pretty quick. If it stays dry as well, I like his chances to make some moves. What do you think? Uh, completely, I couldn't say it any better. I think in these conditions, now if we're talking Rome, yep. first match on the clay, and he's got to go to heavy, slower conditions, things are going to be a little bit more difficult. But big hitters have always done well in Monte Carlo. The conditions here are playing quick. It's warm out there. I think he has a very, very good chance. I'm actually picking him to win. All right, he played Senego earlier this year in Adelaide. That was a straight sets win on the hard court. We're done for today. For Chris and Petch, I'm Brett. Andy Roddick joins tomorrow for the rest of the week. Enjoy Day three tomorrow from Monte Carlo.